Now, somewhere in Chicago, parents and children are learning parenting skills from a programme that started out here in Ireland. Preparing for Life began in the very unique Darndale in Dublin in 2007, helping to build parents' confidence and get children from infancy to school. Well, we wanted to find out more, so I'm delighted to welcome Sue Cullen into studio this morning. Good morning, Sue. Good morning. How Take a you? breath there, because you literally just landed... <laughs> I literally did. <laughs> you literally just landed in the chair. I hear by that accent. Where is that accent from? Uh, Liverpool. And you're wearing red. <laughs> I am. Is that a sign? <laughs> it could be. You're not blue. It well, it's not Christmas anymore, so <laughs> now I am definitely not a blue. I'd be killed. It's great to have you, and thank you for taking the time to come in. Thank um, you. We read with real interest that this uh, programme has been taken up by the US Department of Health and Human Services and recognised for its unique approach. So we'll get to all of that later, a little bit later. But tell us, the, the programme is called Preparing for Life. So we don't know anything about it, so tell us about it. Where, where did it start? How did it start? So Preparing for Life is an early intervention prevention programme. We work with the expectant parent and any significant other that's involved in a child's life right through until a child starts school. So it's a five-year programme and I suppose our ultimate goal was to improve school readiness. That's what our intention is and was. So I suppose it started back in... um, by a group, I suppose, from the experience of Neil Kelly. He was a guy from the local area. He was a teacher. He was would have been the original programme manager, preparing for life programme manager. And before then, he was working in the local area in the school and he could see these children come through the school gates who just didn't meet their basic milestones. So we know when children are not meeting the basic milestones in terms of really supporting them to participate and engage in education, then that can bring them a life of complexity in other issues in terms of their peer relationships, their cognitive development, their physical health. So he looked around the area and there was many services that was, the the area is saturated with services, amazing services, but no one was ever able to break the cycle of intergenerational um, complexity. So he sat down with these services and they looked at really sort of conducting a survey to really explore what could they do. Uh, and I suppose the, they knew they had to do something that involved getting to the child before the child got into co- come into the world. So um, they worked together with the local stakeholders and they conducted the survey back in 2004 and they conducted that with parents, teachers and the children. And what it showed us was 50% of those children weren't actually ready for school. So we knew something had to change and that's when we were, we then applied for funding through a land of philanthropies and the Irish government um, to see if they could really support um, to support preparing for life. So, so this this topic and these organisations, some of them are quite complex partnerships. I know the Northside Partnership is a brilliant Absolutely. operation is involved in is the kind of the umbrella body above this. And as you say, the number of schemes, there's lots of acronyms and funding models and all of those. But I, I kind of, so there's integration, uh, intergenerational complexity. What's, yeah. what's that? So there's lots of things that our families have experienced and continue to experience and I suppose complexity has just grew over time so homelessness is a is a chronic problem that our families are faced with overcrowd and couch safe and living in B&B is um, being kicked out of B&B is and walking the streets and um, drug Drug and alcohol is a huge problem. Addiction issues are... Yeah, absolutely. Mental health is a huge issue. We're seeing growing concerns around perinatal mental health, parent isolation. The list goes on and on. Um, So I suppose we are there to try and support parents to navigate their way through those complexities. 
and different types of families, I think, is one thing we need to say. There's a, a vision outside that might have a traditional family, and but, but there are many types of families. Many types of very happy, functional families that sometimes just need a little bit of help. Absolutely. And I suppose the beauty of preparing for life is we adopt a universal progressive approach. So anyone who's living in a catchment area, any of our catchment areas, so we've nine sites right across Ireland. So anyone who is living in a catchment area and is pregnant can avail of the programme. Do you have the list? I do indeed. So we have Dublin 17, we work in Darndale, Belcamp, Bell Griffin, Clonshock, Mowview, Priorswood, in Greencastle, Kilmore, Clongriffin. So all that area, but outside or, of Dublin? So Finglas Bray, Newbridge, yeah. Athai, um, Balbriggan, Bagnallstown, Carlow Town, Tullow, Ballonslow, and also Mayo. Okay, so you're in Carlow, you're in Wicklow, you've, you've come yeah. there, you've travelled, you'll travel yeah, out, and, and a more expansion expected. Yeah, well, do you know what? I suppose we work in partnership with communities because they know their community is best. We know we're the experts of our programme, but we like to create a, an action plan together to meet those needs. So whoever is interested in preparing flight for the right reasons, then we're happy to have those conversations. So, so, and people who don't know Darndale, this is where this started. Um, yeah. Darndale was a planned community built, well, envisaged in the 60s and built in the 70s. It was based on a, a, a the architectural model was based on uh, an estate in Hampshire in, in England. England. Now, it's important to say that that architectural model was never repeated again in Ireland because it was a failed architectural model and later changes were modified. And this was a, a it was supposed to be communities grouped in courtyards named after flowers because Darndale is the Irish for daffodil, I think. And so that's why you have Buttercup and Marigold and Primrose yeah. and Snowdrop. It's a unique community and it really is a community, is a very tight knit community. Yeah. And I'm from that area. I know Darndale well and, yeah. and cycled those streets many, many times and those little pathways all around. So it was a warren of pathways and courtyards, which later had to be changed. But as you say, there is a number of community, fabulous community mm. uh, supports there. The New Life Centre is there. Oh, Jigsaw there, the Northside yeah. Partnership. And, and this was probably one of the best places that this could start and then spread. So tell us about when you, a little bit about yourself. How did you land there? So how I landed there, um, so my background was youth and community. And I suppose when I was working, I was working, I suppose my job involved really identifying the needs for youth provision within the inner cities. So working with residence committees. Um, so I always felt like, I was only literally scratching the surface. Um, so I could see the kids coming in and I knew and I'd heard, learnt that some of the kids would end up behind bars. Um, and it was disappointing to think that we could actually do more for these children because you were getting some of the kids with age, anything from 8 to 16 um, was the catchment I, catchment I was working with. Um, whereas when I seen this come up, I was like, oh my God, this is an opportunity to get to the baby and the, work with the parents before... To work with them if they'd experience any level of disadvantage and issues um, to try and prevent those things from happening. So, yeah, so I applied for it. I loved the idea that we got to work five years with families because a lot of the time I was working in the youth service, it was short-term intervention, whereas we got the time to spend with families, to build rapport with families, to see families for their amazingness. So not even them as parents, but seeing them for who... Um, shares, you know, recognising them as an individual and really supporting them to transition as they adapt into this parenting role. So without time, you don't get the luxury to be able to do those things. 
and it's scary being a parent. It's terrifying. Um, and it's probably one of the hardest jobs you'll ever have to do. So being gifted the opportunity to work on this was, and I suppose 17 years later, I'm still here. So it's, it it's a pity we're on the radio because people, I can see a big smile on your face as you talk about yeah, it. It's amazing. But, that, but it's a difficult area to work in and social work and social care and in the community is a difficult place to be. You're, you're very passionate about it. Why, why so passionate? So you, you probably could have done other things with more money. <laughs> and you know what? Money doesn't always bring you happiness. I absolutely definitely say it's some needs, but um, I get to work with the, the most amazing people who have got amazing potential and often you don't even see that potential. They don't see that potential. The people around them don't see the potential. So we we are able to facilitate space for us to really sort of keep scratching the surface so they can really sort of dig deep and find that self-belief and self-love. And I think that in itself is well paid. Do you know, like I can walk, I get up in the morning, I'm excited about my job. I go to bed and I'm excited about the next day. My husband only said the other night, do you not get um, bored of preparing for life? And I said, no, because I learn, as the family is learning, I learn. So as they grow, I grow. And I suppose that's the beauty of the programme is it's not static. Community is not static. So the programme is not static. So the more we learn from the families, the communities, the stakeholders, the more this programme has the ability to keep growing. So, Are you shocked sometimes when you see family circumstances? Have you seen that in your own? In, I have, yeah. As you grow up? I mean, I don't know what your background is. Um, yeah. Because so, I know some people arrive, say school teachers arrive having gone to boarding school and having done placements in their various schools and go to schools in difficult areas and they're shocked yeah. at some of the things they see. Were you shocked? Um, I suppose my I would have been linked to social work as a child um, and I suppose that's what got me into the work that I'm in. Um, I first applied for social work but I was actually too young at the time um, to do the to take the course uh, in uni so I and that's how I ended up falling upon youth work um, and I suppose I had the most amazing experience I always remember him his name was John and I suppose and I suppose his teachings has allowed me to bring it into my teachings with the families because he seen me for me he didn't define so me he you didn't, were young, when person. I was younger yeah sorry my own experience as a child so for me because he created space for me to just be in Liverpool, I'm Susan. So he created <laughs> space for uh, me to just be Susan, and he uh, provided me with resources so I could do me um, my school. So I I loved that, and I suppose I brought I want I've always brought that forward with me because I think no matter what you're faced with, like it's important to provide space for people to show up, be seen, and be heard. Um, and I suppose, do I get shocked? I get sad that of the limit because of the limited resources. It makes me sad and frustrated that funding, the right funding, isn't provided. I suppose we're not expecting to be rich in these jobs, but the services. I mean, the families do deserve to have happiness and the resources that they need, and to provide them with the opportunities that they deserve. One of the worst things I think for people is when someone comes in to fix them. No, no, we don't fix. We don't fix. We, uh, I've got so much to learn from these families. Like I said before, it's about tapping into their potential. Like I can see their amazingness. I can see their potential, and often they can't. So I always use the analogy of holding up the mirror, allowing them to see what I see. Um, so really, 
that takes time that takes and that's the beauty of the program it's five years that we can we've got the time to work together and sometimes you're taking steps five steps forward and you might have to take three steps back but that's okay it's like trying to it's like dancing and you're laying the steps together and you you're laying so much about one another but they they come to the table with so many strengths, so many capabilities. So it was about just bringing those things out. Um, one of the things we work by is advantage thinking. So identifying the things that someone else you may see as being quite a challenging um, situation to be able to navigate. They might be masters of it because they live it every day. Whereas they might be challenged by something like applying for a job or um, returning to school or applying for the driving licence. So we just transfer their, their, their excellence, their amazingness into areas that they deem to be a challenge. So nearly sort of using that coaching um, approaches to support them to, to be. Um, you're speaking so positively about it. Um, we're going to hear from somebody who's actually experienced it first hand. Yeah. Uh, do you want to put on your headphones there? Yeah, absolutely. Because uh, Sharon Ward is on the line. Good morning, Sharon. Hello, everyone. How hey. are you? I'm good. Hi, how, how are you? Thank you for having me. Oh, you're very, you're very well. You, you've experienced the programme firsthand, Sharon. I have. And I'm always, as soon as herself, I'm always happy to talk about it because it really has been, even to this day, Sue is still in my life and still, I mean, and listening to her saying there where she just like takes a bar and shows us ourselves and like, helps us find all them things about ourselves to go forward. She only did this for me a few weeks ago, literally in November. I was like, you know, so to this day, the impact of PFL is still in my life. But at the time I had moved up from Longford. I was pregnant with my first baby, only newly married, didn't have any family around me, kind of the resources, the facilities that we had at the time weren't great. Everybody kind of had a bit of imposter syndrome about approaching the council kind of for electricity and things. And then I just happened to come across PFL um, and a niece of mine was like, I'm in this group. She's another fellow traveller person. Like, you know, so hearing her saying that she was a part of the group and it was kind of an okay. So I went over and Sue was my mentor. And from the very first second I met Sue, it was just, I was at ease. I was supported. It was, I was handed a cup of tea and that was the first thing. I was like, oh, lovely. We're besties because she's a tea drinker as well. But um, <laughs> she came to me home. She just fitted right in. She educated me. I educated her about my community. Um, she's seen the kind of struggles we face. She found me support for that. She encouraged me with everything. Um, and my child, my children, you know. And even well after PFL, I could always just call back up and ask for help or support or just any little things in life. But there was a lot of support and encouragement is two words that I use a lot um, when, I talk, when I think about PFL because that's what it was all the time, the whole experience. Um, I have friends now that I met 15 years ago because, because of PFL. Sorry, I'm choking here. Oh, you're taking your time. Bag, no. But I am. But um, yes, yeah, so I'm, I still have friends to this day that I made from PFL and um, I cherished them for life too. We were, like at that time, very, it was very professional, it was very PFL, and then it developed into a great friendship and I really would love for the whole world to know the work. Sue is a very humble person and doesn't like to take credit for the work she does, but wow. I know every single person that she's ever came across or has worked with her will say that she has changed their lives. Well, it's it's, it's, it's going to be known. hundred percent. It's going to be known internationally and now. I can tell you. What tell, yes. tell us some of the things you learned from preparing for life. So obviously, as a traveller woman, 
in our community, your main role from your babies, you get married and you become a mommy and you look pretty all the time. That's your, you know, that's what you do. So um, your one main role is being a mother when you're not really meant to be complaining, you know, like you're having a bad day. That's the only thing you have to do is keep your home clean and be a good mother. So if I was having a bad day or I wasn't feeling whether a headache and I had no sleep the night before and Sue came to, to see me, I would offload and be like, oh, Sue, I'm so tired. And she was like, so am I, because I'm up the whole night with my child or I've just been talking to a mother who's hadn't had sleep for three days and she just never made me feel bad about having a bad day or she would, like, find solutions. There was always solutions to everything you felt, you know. And as I said, it was very hard for me to complain or whatever. And a lot of our community, Sue would notice herself, a lot of the women in our community suffer with postnatal depression after we have babies because we have this fear and this kind of, an, like, if we complain, I don't know, we just, we don't like the word social workers. We don't like anything to do with anything outside of our community. So it's kind of like you just, you you know, you get over, get on with it yourself. You get over it. You're, that's just what you do. Where Sue kind of stepped in and said, you know, that's normal to feel a bit down in yourself. That's normal to be tired today. There was so much more to PFL. It was like, it was really a therapy in a way. It was just support and finding ways and solutions and just saying like, yeah. it's okay, actually. Sharon, it, one of the things as well is, I, I think for, for people, and, and I have some experience of this with, with family as well, is particularly when you have young children and you you find yourself, well, especially coming from Longford as well, there probably isn't many Longford people in, in that part of Dublin. Absolutely um, not. But you got a chance to maybe meet other people in the community. Of course I did, because PFL was right in the heart of the community. So I had to walk over there and, and I'm a very chatty person. Sue will tell you, I make friends with a stone outside. But every day, every day I'd make a new friend or every time I had to go over to PFL, I'd meet a new person and then I'd be like, how are you Sharon? How are you Sharon? Uh. So I, it made tons of friends. Like eventually actually PFL would have been the reason that I kind of would have started singing, I suppose, even in a way, because meeting Sue would have introduced me to kind of the, the crew in the church here and then I would have went over and started singing there every Sunday and made loads of friends like it was sister act it was like every Sunday the concerts in the church you know so there was like so much that PFL opened so many doors made me so many friends you know yeah the other thing as well I'm sure for and people, also breaking... sorry I'm not stopping and talking I just want to say there was some I do I do I right, talk so I'm just going to get a cup of tea with a pinch of salt I'm back in a minute yeah you do that and <laughs> um, there's this big thing about there's this big fear of Darndale and for me a culture coming from the countryside like where you see cows out your front window you know and then moving up into the heart of Darndale and you hear all these things about Darndale and Darndale and Sue brought me into the heart of Darndale and honestly it is the most beautiful community of people that you could ever meet. The, the lo- like, they're them neighbours you can knock into for a bit of sugar or some milk or whatever. Like, everybody looks out for each other and she educates the world about that. Wow. She wow. literally lets them know Sharon, like, how good of people are there, you know? <laughs> I hate interrupting, but I have to ask, how are the, ki- how are the kids doing there? They're part of, they part of the, you were great. part of the programme. They're doing okay. They are great. Yeah, they're doing brilliant. Sue will tell you, come here, look, I put my whole heart into my children. They are my life. And that's why ah. I loved PFL so much because it was helping me to find even more ways to educate my children and more ways to make them smarter or more sociable for the world or blah, blah, blah. And I can definitely tell you the two of them are booming with confidence. Sharon, do you want to plug, your, do you want to plug your gig before you go? 
Oh, yeah. So I have a gig coming up in Padder Brown. <laughs> Sue will be there. I'm sure if you check out her social media, she'll be posting it all as well. I have a gig coming up in Padder Brown on the 9th of February. I'd love to see it full and I'd love to just see everyone, chat everyone, take uh, loads of selfies, make more great. friends. Brilliant. Look, it's great. And thank you for taking the time to join thank us. You so thank you so much for having me. And we'll have- Sue, thanks again for everything. Thank you, babe. We'll have to get you your own programme. Sue, this programme, look, there's loads more we can talk to you about, about about life, and you've shared a bit of your own life there, which I didn't know about. Um, this programme's going international. It is. It is. Um, we're getting a lot of interest. Um, so we went, about two years ago now, we went over to Chicago um, because they were really interested, actually, in the work of preparing for life. They've followed the study. So we start off as a randomised control trial and we've continued to follow those children. We're actually going back into the field now that the children are age 14. So they've been following this study. Um, I don't know whether you know the the US, uh, well, in terms of home visiting, but they're oversaturated with home visiting programmes. So for us to be asked, f- for us to do prepare and flavour over there is a huge, mm. a huge accomplishment. Um, but we've learned so much. It's been an amazing journey. Um, yeah, and they, they're lovely. Do you know what, so I think, speaking to you, there's, there's really two sides to you. You're very good at representing the programme and the acronyms and the funding and making sure you cover everybody and make sure everybody gets credit. But I think what Sharon really alluded to there is that personal side that you have, like visiting her, going to her home, which she emphasised going to her home, which mm-hmm. is really important, being part of the travelling community, maybe helping to break down stereotypes as well and integrating people who have something in common, young mothers, young families, Absolutely. Do you see some of the children who were babies when when they're when when they were coming through the preparing for life program? Do you see them now as grown ups? Or and maybe not quite grown ups because you're quite young, but you see them maybe doing well in school or yeah, doing things they want to do. Maybe going travelling, doing something different. Yeah, we are. We're seeing like we. I suppose we always have an open door policy, so we're lucky that families like to gift them and gift us with their presence. So they'll always pop up. They'll always let us know. Like only there a few weeks ago, one of the mums popped up and said that, like that her son had been in, got his place in college and um, she was panicking about him getting digs. So, yeah, so we're always hearing <laughs> of the, the news and it's brilliant and we welcome that. Um, and it's all different shapes and sizes. We're all different. So um, everyone's got different dreams and it's about just embracing those dreams. Brilliant. Look, Sue, thank you so much for joining us. The uh, programme's called Program, uh, Preparing for Life Programme. Uh, Sue Cullen is, what's your title, by the way? It is, it's a <laughs> mouthful, <laughs> Implementation and Fidelity Manager of the Home Visiting Programme. Well, just from what Sharon said, it's a friend as well. Yeah, thank you so much. Not at all. Thank you for coming in and thanks to everybody involved in, in this. Uh, Sharon's gig is in Padder Browns uh, on Friday the 9th of February. It starts at 6 and finishes at 5.12. It's part of Tradfest, actually. So yeah, it's brilliant. I know. So we might see you there. Yes, you will, hopefully. Thank you, Sue. Let's take a break. Thank you so much.